Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. Okay, welcome to another episode of the Talk and Power podcast. And uh, we're looking a bit strange here, but I'm sitting with legendary top fuel driver, Phil Lamatina. Phil, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you in Western Australia at the moment. We'll touch on why you're here shortly. Um, but let's get, for those listeners that are the uninitiated listeners, let's just tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. You kick things off. I think all legends of Australian drag racing kick, kick their careers off in an XW or an XY. <laughs> <laughs> I only say that because I've got one myself, but not a GT. But tell us, can you tell us, all those years ago back in Mildura, uh, you kicked off with an XW GT. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I suppose, um, let's go back a little bit of history, I suppose. My dad had an XW, yeah. and, um, which he bought brand new. Um, obviously, everyone's got a bit of a story about how, um, you know, they should have kept it and all this sort of stuff. But anyway, cut a long story short, a uh, fair few years ago, we just decided that we would like one. And um, we um, we found it, a small place uh, in Victoria, southern Victoria, and um, it was a silver one. And at that time there, obviously, they weren't worth what they're, you know, obviously yeah. worth today. But, you know, and... Um, yeah, that's how it all sort of started. We brought it, and then um, same old story. Want to go a little bit faster, and that's where we got introduced to Darren Morgan. Yep. In Mildura, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, we needed a gearbox built, and um, we went and just rang him up, and uh, that's how we met him. And then um, one thing led to another. He was involved in the Sunraysia Drag Racing Association, so the, they were building the eighth mile strip there. Mm. at the time and we just got involved and helped out a little bit with building the the strip with the mound and all that sort of stuff and um yeah they started racing it that's how it all started phil tell us what you think i mean of of this i'm going to jump around with the run sheet a bit here but what do you reckon that italians (laughs) get get involved in drag if you look at drag racing in australia it is dominated, oh, I shouldn't say dominated, but it, it's, it's heavily influenced by Italian people with Italian descent. Do you think it's that car culture that people like yourself and myself grew up with in the 80s? Oh, me, funny enough, my dad actually doesn't really like cars or anything like <laughs> that. does so, mine. <laughs> so it's, it's actually very interesting, but I think, I think also too, for me, it's been a little bit more of the farming background where with being involved in, with machinery yeah. and mastering anything that you you operate you know a lot of people say you you know back in the day they just said like you know you drive a tractor or you're driving a truck or you you know driving a car and it doesn't it's not that you mm. you, you need to you know you got to operate that bit of machinery and it's and it's something that i think is just in your dna where you don't want it to beat you yeah and that's you want to master it and then be in control of it mm. and doesn't matter what you're doing tractor anything you just want to be in control of it so how do you control something you need to master it how it operates yep. and i think that's the challenge and then pushing something to the limit to get the most out of it yeah and it could be efficiencies productivity them sort of elements or you just we, like we're harvesting carrots when we were younger and um we'd be like you know, just help out, like finish filling the trailers like you would normally do. You yeah. sort of understand that part, you know, farming, and then you sort of clean the machine, the harvester, 
leave it there and you jump in the two tractors and you race your brother to back to the shed who can who took a little bit of a shortcut you know through a different pivot or you know a headland or something like that and he's come in and, you, and you're calculating and then you're going up a bit of a hill so you quickly turn the air conditioner off and you're trying to get a bit of a roller <laughs> and then he's coming in he's merging and you're saying well look I'll be honest it's either we're going to crash or I'm going to go first it's not there's no in between and um, yeah so just that as yeah just them aspects of farming I suppose and, yeah, and that yeah but I think also I think it's in probably it comes back to the probably the worth work ethic as well uh, the Italian immigrants and not just Italian but the European immigrants had as well and, and you got you need to have that in drag racing there's no two ways about it yeah I think I think what happens is is um, you know Obviously, with that, that, like you said, that European influence, your, your parents and your grandparents just want just that better life. And that's why they came to Australia, because, yeah. the, you know, being the lucky country. And with that came opportunities. And, uh, you know, when they first came to Australia, it was like, the, you know, the harder you worked, you know, the sort of the luckier you became and the more opportunities presented themselves. So, and I think that the need or the want, sorry, not so much the need, the want for a better life and not to have your, you know, your grandchildren or your children to um, go through hunger. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. And they, and I think that's what that drive yeah. for them was. Yeah, certainly. That certainly. better life. Yeah, yeah. Well, talking of the, the Lamartina name, it really started getting noticed when with the blown Capri that your brother was campaigning. Can you tell us a bit about that era? Yeah, well, what happened was we pushed the XW to as far as we, we could in the sense of without um, chopping it up, tubbing it and all that sort of stuff. So we ended up deciding that we need a purpose-built race car. So uh, Darren um, um, knew a bloke by the name of John Marshall, JRM Transmissions. That's how the, the connection is. And... Yeah. Um, uh, John knew a bloke by the name of Theo Pavlomanalakos. You and, said that very well, Phil. Yeah, because yeah, Theo from Pavtech. Yeah. Okay, so um, what happened was we, um, Darren, you know, through John and John thing, we went down and had a had a look, and that was a roller. Mm. Went to his place and we bought the car, and we transplanted the the um, the power plant into from the X Dub the 460 into the um, the Capri, and put a supercharger on it and everything like that, and it was, you know, just purpose built for drag racing yep and um and, and john drove it and yeah. um yeah we we campaigned it in mildura we and we come up to the winters one time yeah okay mm. and that's yeah that's it kind of flowed on from there you know I, I do recall that car and all the way back then so it's i, I do that's where the lamartina name in my mind stems back from in that that capri look let's step forward Four championships. I got this wrong, so my research wasn't right. You That's corrected right. me. Lucky you read the notes because I would have been <laughs> embarrassed. But four championships, two of them as a driver, two of them as an owner. I've got to be honest. Like, tell us what it's like to achieve something like that, especially against arguably one of the biggest teams in Australia, Rapisadas. Yeah, look, I suppose the first championship with Darren was like we were green as grass in top fuel. We came out... Um, and won it in his first full season. So we didn't expect anything different. Then when I was driving, um, probably a little bit more selfish as a driver to win a championship um, in the sense of not being hard to sort of comprehend as the, in, the, in that team environment. Then when um, we won it with Cali, that was like um, a little, uh, probably the best 
sense of achievement because it was for me it was like my baby if you know yeah. what i mean where i had to piece together all the elements and put all the people together to actually make it happen and even though you know um you got aaron which i believe is you know great at what he does um then we had to put a driver in that's never driven top fuel before so um and give i'm always we're always been a family of giving people an opportunity mm. and um it's hard to say why kelly but um i don't know just in the conversation with some pretty tight uh, friends of mine um her name just kept coming up and that's where we just sort of you, your gut feeling's normally the best one yeah so you just you i just ran with that and i think that the achievement that what she was o- able to overcome in a relatively short time um with a, an enormous amount of pressure from me because yeah. i'm a, just a bit of a hard ass and silly when it comes to that sort of stuff what she was able to do um you know, or what we were able to do in that year was, you know, pretty great. Yeah, that and that's the that's that sense of achievement, especially like you said against the Rapisadas and um, and what they, you know, what they bring to, yeah. to drag racing. Yeah. Well, talking about Kelly, let's just touch on her for a minute here. In my mind, this is only in my mind. There's something there where a female females, in terms of participation in the sport in top fuel seems to be much higher in, in top fuel than any other motorsport in the world. We, we're seeing people like Ashley Sanford, Kelly Betts, of course, uh, Brittany Force, uh, Leah Pritchard, Pritchard, you know, those sorts of names. Their participation level in top fuel seems to be um, much higher than any other motorsport. And drag racing as well, I think it's it's quite high. Is there some is there some merit there where, where you feel like a, uh, a woman is, is potentially possibly better than a male to drive a fueled car oh no i think i think what not i wouldn't say no i wouldn't say better um that's it's it's a a bit of a tough one because everybody's a little bit different they bring a different element yeah you know to to the table now kelly what i find is um kelly was is successful a successful sportsman racer okay now Sometimes sportsman racers can make that transition to Group One, mm. and and then some people can't because it's they've been that focused on. So I don't get, not that I don't get it. I it doesn't interest me sportsman racing. Yeah. But listening to then sportsman racers talk about sportsman racing, yep. you have a, a a renewed respect for what they do mm. and how they go about doing yeah. it. So. Kelly was able to bring to the table for us a little bit, like I said, a different element, and she just so happened to be female. Yeah. That's that's yeah, okay. that's pretty much yep. it. Um, and that's just how it sort of sort of happened. Um, there's probably there's probably other uh, male drivers that would be good mm. in top fuel, um, and there's probably uh, women yeah. out there that would. A woman that would be out there that's just as good in top fuel. But um, I think drag racing in top fuel is a bit more of a leveller where yeah. it's, um, I suppose, the physical constraints um, aren't as tough as, you know, um, circuit racing cars and all that yeah. sort of thing. So I think that element it gives them a, a little bit more, you know, just physically. Mm. 
um, where drag racing that gives them that bit more of a level playing field and that's where they can excel yeah yeah simon and i gonzo that is have talked about this at length on the podcast in, in previous episodes we feel that drag racing is the ultimate um gender neutral sport 100 yep. percent. yeah and and that's where you know if if females want to get involved that's where you know there is no ambiguity 100%. about yeah so you know, yeah i never with kelly um one good thing about Kelly was, you know, when we first originally had all these conversations around driving the fuel car, you know, I said, look, I struggle with the emotion side of things, I struggle with it, but not struggle with just with the w- women maybe being emotional. I'm talking anybody, mm. like a, a bloke or anything like that. And I said, I'm a bit of a hard ass, and, you know, I sort of, um, I know what I want and um, I, I'll explain what I want and then I'd like you to, you know, be able to do that. And... And she was, you know, she was cool with that. And yeah. like I said, at the end of the day, the the best probably conversation we had with Kelly was, um, or I had with Kelly was um, when she first licensed, and then after that we went to Darwin. Mm-hmm. And um, look, she was, um, like I said, I was tough. She wasn't driving the car. She didn't have as much experience. So I'm sort of explaining to her what's going on. And then... Um, uh, she mucked up a little bit, and she come back to the, we come back to the pits and um, went in. We're in the in the um, up in the office there in the trailer and um, sort of given a bit of a debrief. Aaron was there and he sort of um, explained what sort of she did wrong, mm. I suppose. And then you know Aaron's pretty good at reading what I'm thinking. I sort of you know said you need to get out, and then I sat down with Kelly and to her credit, she just said to me. Okay, because she knew I was sort of trying to find the right words to explain, you know. To, yeah. to, she said, yes, listen, stop effing around. Just tell me what you want. Just tell me now, straight. So anyway, I gave it, you know, I gave it to her with both barrels. Any normal person would have been probably crying. I'm talking a bloke. And um, like I said, to her credit, and she come out that next run and she nailed it. Now, I, I don't know if she needed that. I don't know if I needed that. I don't know who needed yeah. what. But at the end of the day, I think we both grew as people that time and her her ability to drive the car, you know, yeah. went up a couple of notches. That was a tough championship, that one. But, I mean, that went to the final race. Not just the final race, the final pairing of the final event. Well, no. The, or was it a semi, was semi. it? Semi, yeah. Yeah, okay. It was, yeah, so it's gone pretty much full length full season yeah and she had in the lane next to her the championship the the contender as well wayne Uby, from memory no we we're, were fighting it against um damo oh and, damien sorry newbie had to take us out that's correct sorry yeah. my apologies yeah no that's right but yep. um still doesn't yeah. matter it's still tough look across the the cars all look similar yeah um and um yeah, we and we we bet it, and it was just a yeah massive relief. Yeah, no, 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 fair enough. Hey, look, Phil, of all of our guests, we ask them to give us a blow-by-blow description of what it is to to drive their car. So we've heard from Zap, we've heard from Jason Hedges, we've heard from Harry Haig. So tell us, and from Kelly as well. Tell us, you're the man in the seat now. You've been in and out of the seat for many years. Yep. Blow-by-blow from when you from the burnout. Tell us, give us an in-depth analysis of what goes on in that car well before the car fires up um you know sometimes in drag racing you're sitting in the car for 
you know, come, sometimes it can be a you know, short period of time and then sometimes it can be a little bit longer. You know, yeah. Depends what pairing you are and all that sort of stuff. And if there's maybe been a bit of oil on the track, you know, like they always say five, ten minute clean up, but then, you know, that's ten minutes and then turns into 15 and you don't want to get out of the car because it takes you forever to get back in. Anyway, so sometimes you're there with, with your thoughts <laughs> and um, sometimes, yeah, so blow, blow, blow. Okay, so you get the f- fire-up signal. Um, they turn the car over, RPM, like you hear the, the car fire when they pull the pins and um, put, put the car fuel pumps on. And um, what, you, what you're doing there is you just listen to the change of note. It goes, you know, goes up on nitro and then you just uh, trim the fuel back to the pressure and then um, wait for um, Aaron to set the idle and then um, he, um, he then um, walks in front, gives the signal to do the, you know, roll forward, roll forward. I um, have a bit of an. I've got a guy at the front that you know gives the signal to do the burnout. I I um, pull put the clutch fully out, put it on the put full fuel pump so on the high side, do the burnout, put the brake on, clutch in, uh, trim the fuel back, put it in reverse, wait for Sarah to come around. She normally just pushes the butterflies, drop the idle a little bit, and then when she's okay, she gives me the signal to go start going backwards. Reverse the car, looking at not going, not sort of going too fast, but not riding the clutch too much, but not being off the clutch too much, and sort of get it to sort of roll as fast as you sort of can with it, just you know, um, without going silly. Keeping an eye on Sarah as well, which way you got to go. Um, stop, go forward. Um, Sarah brings me right up to the to the beams, and um, by that at that point, I'm sort of looking, making sure that the car is straight, like yep. to go down, like where I want it and um, and then um, she just sort of gives me the signal that it's all good she walks away and then um, I'm just there idling and that, at that point at that point in time is probably the coolest part I would say of of um, of driving a fuel car where the car is just idling everybody else is doing their thing you know the, the crew rubbing the tyres and then stepping back and the starter you know, I've never taken into consideration the starters. He, he must have his, you know, in his throat. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. the anticipation. Yeah. And you're you're just there. You know, the car's just you're just there. That's all you're doing. You're just holding the car there. You're not doing anything else. And then it's um, when he tells you to go in. You know, obviously he's got the you know signal off the other crew chief to go in. And then you know you're back in charge again. So yeah. um, it's it. It's interesting yeah. to get them different elements, and then put the top beam, uh, top light on, and then um, at that point in time you say, okay, you know, that's not okay. That's it. Just um, relax, visor down, fuel pumps on, step off the clutch, uh, inch it in, and then uh, full stage amber go. Yep. One of the things that even from the crowd they 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 detect, I guess. We hear the engine go yep. to the high side. Yep. So now the crowd, the commentators do an excellent job, by the way, of explaining what's going on there. But now the crowd knows, and they know things are about to get real. When yep. they hear that engine completely change a note, it's gone to what you call the high side. Yep. And then things are about to get real. From a crowd's point of view, the shockwave that goes through the entire crowd is phenomenal. And I, you probably don't feel that. No. <laughs> but... I, I actually have the best and worst seat in the house. Yeah. I have the best seat 
for the feeling of the acceleration and you know the power, the raw power of the car. But to actually experience top fuel, to um, I get on on the worst because sitting in there, I do not get to feel that experience of the of the sound waves. And I think a lot of people actually in the crowd would probably do something very similar. You talk about the anticipation mm. of that, you know, the high side and then going into full. I believe, just like probably I do as a driver, I'm positive they would hold their breath. Yeah, yeah. And then everyone says, how can you hold your breath? Well, really, it's only for three seconds. <laughs> it's right. I think anybody can hold their yeah. breath for three seconds. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like, it, and, that's, and that's the, um, it's, I don't know, it's, a, it's, a, it's yeah, it'd be a combination of feel. oh, not combination, it's million feelings going yeah, through your yeah. body. And that's the beauty about drag racing, isn't it? I mean, we're all fans, but I guess most of us will go, we're tragics, really, because it's probably the most visceral motorsport in the world. I, I You just get that, the shockwave. You don't get that with a V8 supercar. You don't get that even with a Formula One car, especially now. Their hybrid technology doesn't well, give that sensory overload to the crowd. Jim Reed explained to me once a long time ago what the attraction to drag racing is and you know what it is it's the person that's sitting in the crowd at any point uh, any part of the of the drag strip can actually see the start and the finish of a race mm, that's right yep you know every time a paired pass a paired car go down the racetrack mm. and that i think is something where circuit racing if you're sitting on a corner or a bend or a chicane or whatever if you watch, I've been to a few V8 supercar events in my time. If you're standing in the same spot, every single car goes past and changes gear exactly. at that exact, <laughs> and it's just the same, the same, the same. And that's all you. If you're stuck, not stuck, while well, you are there, if you're in a corporate box or you're stuck in the in the grandstand or whatever, you will see the same thing 70 times. Yeah, yeah. Boy. 20 odd cars it starts getting a bit boring when you think you, you go home and you actually hear that gear yeah. change in your head even when you're lying in bed at night <laughs> and there's still and there's still no results yeah yeah and this is where drag racing is like you said about the anticipation is is um and i think that's what all that stuff um in the u.s with lights out and grudge and mm. no prep kings and all that stuff is so um involved Especially the you know the little side betting that's going on yeah. because it's like a horse race, isn't it? Really, yeah. when you yeah. you know every you know every three minutes the, the, there's there's a start and a finish to a horse race mm. or dogs or whatever it is, you know. Where's where other forms of motorsport, like you said, it's just you know we're there for two hours and then we get the result. You yeah. know, all right, there's a bit of excitement, but what excitement? Yeah, you, yeah. You, you, the more excitement you get is actually watching it on TV because you can see different angles, the pits, the this, the that, people coming in, mucking up the, you know, maybe a, a, a pit stop with the cha wheel change or fuel or this didn't come off and all this sort of crap. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, that's the attraction with drag racing. Yeah. Phil, one of the things I want to touch on and you, we, we, the elephant in the room, I guess, is 07 and 15, the, the big the big accidents. Both of them, in my mind, were, were absolutely massive. Probably 2015, I think you sustained more injuries from that, that incident uh, up in Willowbank there. Can you tell us a little bit about the incident and also this, this recovery you went through as well and the operation? Because I, I don't think many people would know about that. Yeah, um, I suppose... The the 07, I think, 
accident actually looked more spectacular, especially at night. Um, you know, rolled it, burst into flames, everything like that. Got to the end, just, and um, I was unconscious. But anyway, when I came to, then just jumped out mm. um, and walked to the ambulance. So I suppose that, you know, is, you know, whatever. Um, the 15 accident, that was very emotionally disappointing because the car was brand new. Yeah. And there's, a you know, plenty of stories about, you know, why, how come. I eventually, from angry, you know, got just sort of relief, relief that, you know, I'm still here and all that sort of thing. So you slowly, time moves on, you know, on them, on them emotions. Anyway, cut a long story short, uh, shattered L3 vertebra. Um, so there was nothing there. Um, they had to operate. Um, they put some bone in from the bone bank, um, just cut me from the side, about 11 inches wide. They had to take me insides out. They had to come in from the front, not the back, because um, they had to clean all the um, all the bone fragments out. So they come in from the front, put another piece of bone in there, um, got my bone and crunched that up and made it a paste and put it on there so it can um, fuse. Um, two titanium rods with four screws um, well eight screws you know two at the top two mm. at the bottom on each and um, 18 days in hospital only for the fact of the matter is, is was I um, was I recovered not even close yeah. I just had to get out of the hospital they said that you know they can't do anything more for me unless you know the biggest thing was a lot of people don't realise is it wasn't just a an, a, an um, broken back and took had surgery and then um, jobs cool. I had other complications where it's not anything thing, but you just with your bowels and all that sort of stuff, and that had to get all moving again and very frustrating. And um, anyway, um, I was I'm, was so lucky that you know I was we've got a not that we use it a, a huge amount we've got a twin engine aircraft that was able to come pick me up and i was able to lie down from your journey back home um had the hospital bed in the or, you know in the lounge room um days and nights of um i thought i was in pain i was on endone um uh, psychologically mentally um that drug there is terrible yeah um for you I'm a big advocate of, you know, um, take it um, as little as possible as, as you need it and get off it as soon as you can. I'll, I tell people all the time that. Um, I got slightly addicted to it, and there's no such thing. Actually, you can't slightly get addicted to something. I was addicted. Um, luckily enough for my wife, identified, said something's not right. I wasn't the same person. Um, she then, you know, we made some she made some moves and um got me anyway off it didn't even need to be on it after i realized um cleaned all that out of the system and then you know plenty of support from family like you know you can't it's just you know yeah especially being you know not not for anything but you know we're pretty tight um especially on the farm and you know with um all my brothers and, and my sisters and and all that sort of thing where they all live locally so that's good plenty of support from family, in-laws, everything. So, um, 
that helps um, able to be able to concentrate on recovery rather than you know the business side of things but then you feel you want to be involved so then you get out there as much as you can and then a little bit a little bit at a time and then slowly it just heals time yeah. heals and I probably wasn't really 100%. I'm still not really 100%. Um, my shoulders, and I've had a, I had a compression fracture also too between my um, um, uh, shoulder blades, T6. And um, so never fully recovered, but, uh, yeah, enough to get out and about. And, yeah, mm. just... Well, tell us then Sarah's influence, your lovely wife. T- <laughs> You're back in the car. You've you've already done three rounds of, of this year's championship. What what sort of discussion, without getting too involved, but I mean, what, how hard would it have been for Sarah to say, after seeing that three months of well, it's a lot longer than that, obviously, but that that intensive three months of rehabilitation. How hard was it for her to say, yeah, Phil? If I probably didn't, if we weren't involved with the car anymore the urge to drive probably wouldn't be there, yeah. okay? So what happened was just being around and wanting to contribute to the team, maybe whatever, something, that urge, and Kelly said it to me, she's seen it. I'd done, done a warm-up for her once because she was stuck sawing an autograph and we had to do the warm-up, so I jumped in it. It was in Sydney. I didn't quite fit in the car properly because just with her seat insert, but man, oh man, apparently I didn't realise because obviously it, I'm just, you know, whatever. But the smile on my face was just thing. And she knew, she seen me after that. <laughs> she said, she said, how'd you go? And I said, oh, no, good. And she said, oh, okay. And then when I, we had the, I had the discussion with her that I'd like to, you know, get back in the car, she said, I, I knew. And I said, oh, how did you know? She said, that time in Sydney, I just knew that you, you just wanted to be involved. So anyway, wind the clock back a little bit. Um, just trying to suppress the urge is just you, you're kidding yourself. Yeah. You know, you, you you're bullshitting to yourself that you can that you don't. No, no, I don't want to drive. No, no, I don't. No, 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 no. No, no. Kelly's doing a good job. No, no, she's doing a good job. But enough it had nothing to do with Kelly. Mm. It had nothing to do with Aaron. It had nothing to do with anybody. You know, it, it was me. Yeah. It was my fault. It was my problem that I had to deal with, and eventually. I had to personally make the decision in my head that, okay, yes, if I can get the support from the family, I'm gonna, I am gonna. would like to drive the car again. Mm. So that was the first tick. I had to, had to convince myself that that's what I wanted to do. Because it, during the accident and, you know, oh, you, you know, you're so lucky you, you, you survived the first one and you're so lucky you survived the second one, you'd be, there'd be no way in the world that you'd like, you know, you'd be driving the car again, you've got four lovely kids and they a lot of people put that onto you, which is fine because I respect anybody that um, that I, I know well enough that don't know what, me well enough that they can tell me anything. So anyway, I was getting that thing. So I convinced myself that my, me, Phil Lamartina, with with a business and family business and four kids and a lovely wife, that... I would be completely and utterly selfish to drive that race car again. Mm. So it was like I was guilted, you know what I mean? And I said, shit, you are, you are lucky, you idiot. You know, you, you're a logical person, you look at things logically. You, why would you do that to yourself? Well, but then I said to myself, but hang on, why is my life 
any more valuable than, say, Kelly. Mm. She's driving the race car. Yeah, yep. You know, she's got a boyfriend. She's got family. She would maybe eventually, you know, like to settle down, have a family, have kids. Mm. Why is her Wayne Newby? Damien yeah. Harris, he's yeah. got kids. Why Why is Phil Lamartina so much special that he can't drive the race car anymore because he's got four kids? Big deal. Everyone. So, like I said, then I said to Sarah, I sat her down. Oh, you know, obviously I sat her down. <laughs> 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 She's my wife. <laughs> she told me to sit. No. <laughs> no, we, uh, so we just said, I just said to her, I said, um, what do you think? She reckons, look, I know you, obviously, better than I know me. <laughs> um, if that's what you would like to do, and I can see that that's what you want to do, I support you. Yeah, yep. So, shit, all right. That's one, another tick. Next were the kids. Two older ones sort of understand, 16, 14-year-old. They understand to a point they seen the accident, all that sort of stuff, seen what I went through. Um, I'd like their opinion because they're pretty, yeah, they're fairly level-headed. Um, both of them said, yeah, go for it. I said, okay. The two younger ones, poor kids, they're only, you know, they're six and eight. Uh, they reckon, no, 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 you can't do that. Uh, you, you know, you, I only remember you lying on the hospital bed and then, you know, <laughs> this yeah. and that. So they just got, they got... They're, they're not the best people to ask because they go with emotions. <laughs> well, they, yeah, their perception is different as Completely, well. Completely, yeah. you know, because obviously your dad. Anyway, yeah. so that was okay. We just sort of not jokingly sort of in a conversation asked them and they said, you know, no, no, no way. Anyway, and then um, I had to chip away at my brothers. And um, older brother Ange, he was, he's a bit of a, He's an interesting character, but he doesn't. He didn't. He didn't want to be. I can understand where he's coming from. It's like if I asked him, "Can I drive? You know, what do you think of me driving the race car again?" I've put him in a, a situation where I've shifted the responsibility, and that my my dad uses that word all the time: responsibility in anything that you do. Anyway, so I've shifted the responsibility from me making a decision to putting it on his shoulders. So he's thinking to himself, hang on a second, if something does happen and, you know, whatever, I'm going to be the person that, you know, everyone's looking at to say, well, you allowed him to do that. You you, mm. you as the older brother and, you know, you, you could have you stopped him, you know. So anyway, worked on him for a while and um, I eventually convinced him that, it's it's a good idea. Yeah. All right. That's that's it. Not yes. Not sort of no. I sort of convinced him that okay, sort of thing. My younger brother, he's a different cat. He, um, I said to him, I said, oh, I didn't ask him. I said to him, because I, <laughs> I said I'm driving the race car again. Well, shit, a brick. You know, <laughs> he didn't talk to me for three days. <laughs> and that's hard when you're yeah, in a family business. That's right. So he, uh, I avoided him for three days. Anyway, a few things were going on um, just um, just in our lives, not personally, but just in our lives, where um, um, that, uh, you know, life's short, you know, the story, people get sick and this and that and all this sort of thing. And he come back after three days and he reckons, you know what, life's too short. If that's what you want to do, just do it. And I said, oh, that's all right. So 
So that was good. And um, and we, like I said, we go away as a family racing. It's a little bit of an out from the farm. And um, we enjoy it. So it's good family time. So, yeah. you know, having me driving the race car again, it's that connection with the family back into that race car, mm. you know, the Carrot Kings, all that sort of stuff. It's been good. Yeah. yeah and that's yeah. how, and that's how, me dad though, I don't know if you want to hear that story. Why not? Okay. We got time? Yeah, of course we do. Well, okay. Have you got time? I've got, I'm, I've I've got, got plenty, plenty of time. time. <laughs> We're in a lovely setting here anyway. We are. Um, so then I had to um, I had to tell my dad. And that, oh, sh- shit, I've got I to wind it back a little bit. Um, I told my mum. I asked my mum. I said, listen, I'm, I'm going to, I'd like to, I'm going to drive the race car again. She reckons... I said, what do you think, she reckons? And this is how she's been all her life. She goes, I support whatever makes you happy, but just don't tell Dad that I said that. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell your Dad that I said that. I said, yeah, that's all right, Mum, no worries. <laughs> anyway, so I waited a while. I went to the US for a family holiday, came back. I said, that's it. We've got to announce it soon, so it's coming up to the season. I said, I'd better go and see Dad. So I took, me, I'll, I t- <laughs> took my son with me. Just to try and put him in between us if, if it comes to this that. This is Rocky? Or? Yeah, yeah, Rocky. So he'd never, he'd never harm his, <laughs> his grandson. So I took him up and said, listen. So my dad is a very um, great man. Yeah. Listener. Uh, processes things. He gives great advice. So I turned the tables on him. He's taught me pretty well so I gave him an a, I gave him an analogy sort of thing that he was undeniable so I said dad listen this is the story but I never told him what I was wanted to do so I started off with a hey, you know one day you're gonna unfortunately you know God willing you stay here for as long as possible mm. but you know if you if you weren't with us you would know what we were doing if I'd done something or done it made a decision or anything like that you wouldn't know and uh, uh, you wouldn't be here to support me yeah that's fair enough yeah of course of course you know this and that he didn't know where i was coming from you know he's just thinking what's he you know he's sort of trying to think i could see he's trying to see where i was coming from about making decisions i think he thought maybe just on a farm decision anyway he goes yeah that's fair enough and he goes i said so i want to drive the race car again and I'd need you, I want to have your support while you're alive rather than when you're not here, I go and do what I want anyway. Well, he, got, he didn't get angry, he got upset because, not upset, like actually upset, you know, because obviously son, this, yeah. that, even though i am got kids of my own, doesn't matter, you're still, and I can, I can see that now, right? Yeah. As, you know, being a dad. Anyway, I said, listen, he stormed off. I said, listen, I'm not leaving the house until I get your approval. Not that I need it, I said, because I'm going to go and do what I want anyway. But I want to talk to you and I need, not your, I need your, I need the approval for you, not for me. Because mm. I'm going to go and do it anyway. Anyway, talk, talk, talk. His, his thing is, and you talk about that, is like, Phil, what do you got to prove? I said, nothing. I don't have to prove anything. He goes, you've won everything you need to win. What, what do you got to prove? What do you got to do this for? 
I said because I want to. Yeah, well, you know, that's fair enough. And he sort of turned it, and then the I think the 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 the, the whole thing was he turned to Rocky. He goes, so what do you think of Dad driving this car again? Eric and Rocky said, oh, I think it's a I think it's a good idea. None, mm. obviously. He goes, all right then. We're doing it. All right, no worries. So see you later. Hugs and kisses, and uh, it, walked out. But that's that's a, a kind of a typical European thing. It is, isn't it? It is. There's no doubt about it. That's. Uh, I mean, is I he is he wrapped, and that I'm doing it? No. Will he tell people that he he doesn't behind my back? Does he tell people that he doesn't want me driving the car? No. Mm. Does he deep down doesn't want me to drive? No, he does not. He does yes, he does not want me to drive the race car, but he'll support me. Yeah, yeah. Look, all that aside, but now we, we, your incident in fifteen was was huge. But at the same time, Larry Dixon, mm. that is, had a very very similar incident. Correct. And we probably the the industry didn't really take much notice no. until Larry's incident happened. One hundred percent, and that's what really upset us as well. They just, um, they were starting to do pie-in-the-sky stuff, um, blaming that the car went on a display and went on a tilt tray and it wasn't, the chassis wasn't supported and mm. all these crap excuses under the sun because they think that we, you know, us Aussies don't know what we're doing. And I, I actually hated that. I, that's what I got so angry about because it's not, so far from the truth, it's not funny. Yep. Um, and I still get upset when I hear that um, in, in the NHRA scene they they call it the World Championship. I don't see them right. flying all over the world like Formula One do in yeah. different countries no. to call themselves World Champions. There's a there's a series in Europe. Mm. There's a national series in Australia. There's drag racing in different parts of the world. Yeah, and they call themselves the World Champions. Mm. Big yeah. deal. It's only because they got the population. Anyway, so that really upset me because I was trying to shift the blame on... Then Larry Dixon had his accident and was like, oh, hang on a second, there must be something wrong. Mm. What do you mean? Why? Did you transport the car correctly? Did, you know, did Larry Dixon... Oh, all of a sudden, if you know they, they did it, it, there must be something wrong. Now, there's plenty of theories going around. You know, there wasn't the supports in the, um, you know, the lateral... Uh, horizontal movement. Yep. Um, poor quality uh, chromoly, heat treated out of the US, uh, out of China, all these sort of things. But we never had a heat treated car. Mm. So plenty of theories. I just, I just believe it was um, poor design. Yeah. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And I've moved on. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, top fuel design has changed since then as well. well I mean, yeah. Yeah. Huge amount. They're, they're a lot stiffer. You know, back in the day, they said that the the car needs to flex as much as possible. You know, to plant the tire and all this sort of stuff. And now they've got that much bar in there, it, mm. it, and they're going faster. Yeah, yeah. So that theory was out the window. But I've got to admit that um, the the car that I'm driving now, which I never, you know, obviously, didn't drive before, the MLR car that Richie Crampton built, um, just a, not a not so much like a piece of art, but um, you can tell that um, you know someone that that's driven a car has built the car. 
mm-hmm. because just everything is just there. Yeah. Where yeah. you would expect to be the steering, the brake, mm. lever, the, the accelerator, the clutch pedal, the fuel shutoffs, the um, the parachutes. Yeah. Everything's just exactly where it needs to be. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Talking of family. Yep. You all have to ask your boys. Have they asked the question, or have you have they broached the subject that one day they? <laughs> um, yes, they have. Yeah, the Rocky. Um, he he junior worked. drags at the moment, is nah, he? No, that's Ross. Oh, Ross, sorry. Driving. Yep. Chris Berrius's um, um, junior. Um, yeah, Rocky would like to drive. He's sixteen. Yep. yep. That's tough. What do we'll you say to him? We'll let you ponder that one because yeah. that's not a decision you make overnight, is no, it? No, you don't. And it's not fair. I look at it, it's not fair on him mm. to throw him the, and say, you know, yeah, let's let's do this and, you know, it's the wrong decision. So yeah. um, Ross, not so much at this stage. He's, he's just lapping it up in his junior there. He uh, goes to his first race meeting. He's only been to one, and he wins the gold Christmas tree. Man, just carves through the field like a champion and um, shows no emotion, zero emotion. Yep. And, um, but I think deep down inside he's you know, fairly excited. He, he continues to show me the gold trophy that he's mm. won in Sydney that I've never been able to achieve. Yep. Constantly. He reminds you of that, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Oh, funny, okay. that. <laughs> Comes off the shelf. <laughs> Pops up around the house every now and then. I bet it it does. (laughs) Hey, look, anyway, let's just touch on quickly. You're over here in Western Australia doing a bit of match racing with Peter Zybris. Tell us, I'll I'll tell you, I mean, the Western Australian support fans, uh, we're really excited about this and uh, the the joint will be packed. I can almost guarantee it. It'll be a huge crowd. Western Nationals has always been our biggest uh, event in drag racing. Um, so we're really appreciative of you coming over here with Peter as well to do a bit of match racing. Top, a lot of people ask me over the years, they're not that um, connected with drag racing, so they ask me, when's top fuel back? When's top fuel back? There's a lot of issues that are going on. Yep. I, don't, I don't get into that. It's too political for me to comment on. But it's great to see you guys over here, and we really appreciate it. I've got to leave you with one pondering question. Or one, one desires for the US. Any, any? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, you heard it here first. That's a oh, it's no big secret. <laughs> um, if I could pull it off somehow, um, not to do like all yeah. the races or anything silly like that, but to go over and, and to compete over there. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And I've, I've said this. That, that, that question has been raised over the years when I was, you know, originally driving. My my take on it would be um, not only me, I suppose, as the driver, but more importantly, um, guys that have been with us in the crew for a long time to go over there that, you know, mix it up with, with the, you know, with the big boys that do it, you know, on a professional, everyday basis, um, just to have some fun with them. And to, I'd love to see what Aaron could do mm. over there on, on, on their racetracks and just see what would happen. Yeah. And just, just to compete, you know. It'd be awesome yeah. to have a good Aussie Calabrese boy <laughs> <laughs> over in the US <laughs> taking out some of the big names. Hey, Phil, before we finish up, sponsors and people you'd like to thank. Is there any... any 
Oh, right. Fuchs Lubricants, obviously. Yep. They've been with me for, you know, forever. Um, great supporters. Don't ask too many questions. Just, yes, is this what you need? We And um, just go ahead. Obviously, um, YBI Creative. Mm. Um, they do all the livery and, and all the merch and all the other stuff that goes with the website, um, Facebook, everything. Um, MTTS. Um Monaghan Truck and Trailer Sales out of Mildura support us and, um, and basically Rocky Lamartina and Sons. No worries. Australia's favourite carrots. They are. They are Australia's favourite carrots. Coming from a former carrot grower. Yeah. I can vouch for that. And um, it's always good to you know, give the WA boys a bit of curry because um, you know, they do believe that their carrots are, you know. Who's up been there? saying that? Nick oh. Tarner. Has Nick Tarner been touting that? <laughs> There's a few boys over here. <laughs> I'm not going to name names, but wasn't um, Frank, was it? <laughs> oh, I should have mentioned Eddie Dave's. Yeah, uh, no, we, I told you the other day we yeah. uh, Frank was over. Yeah, and um, yeah, we're giving them plenty of curry. But um, nah, look, it's uh, yeah, look, the farming industry just I love it. But yeah, um, yeah so. Um, Kids, just continue to eat your carrots. That's it. It's good for your eyes. Yep. All right, Phil, thanks for coming on. We really enjoy it. Where can we find more information? Lamartinoracing.com.au? Just even on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Yeah, Lamartina Top Fuel Racing. We'll put links on on this. Yeah, yeah. If you go to the, if you're listening to this podcast, go down into the description and you'll see the links there. All right, Phil, thanks for joining us. Man, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. No worries. Thank you. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au.